just so you know, Sam, I'm fully on the bandwagon of I'm just going to use licensed, extremely recognizable tracks for little music bits. <laughs> I mean, it's it's tricky. It's tricky because, like, that's wrong. We know that's wrong and why it's wrong. At the same time, we are so small. We are, we are I mean, to the point where, like, if we somehow got a cease and desist... I would take it as a compliment. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Head on straight, mask on crooked. Exit stays left with the cash gone, took it. Off like a country, the fit was a bit doofy. He tried to get screwed with that two for you, one two for me, G. Come to cranky attitude, wet him like a handkerchief on a stanky fatter dude. Whether you're a rapper or a dang sanger, once you in, it's only one way out. Like a gangbanger with a new crew keychain and street name. What set do he claim for fame, peak game? Just to keep feather and stay dip. You need it like a letter or better or get away with. Welcome to Brokusatsu, two brothers' exploration of tokusatsu shows and related media. I'm Harry. And I'm Sam. And I want to apologize to Harry for exposing him to the delightful Lego Star Wars, which apparently he hates because, hey, I guess he has no taste in this particular matter. No, uh, first of all. I like Star Wars, and I also really like the Lego movie and Lego Batman. My problem is that the writing in Star Wars, the Freemaker Chronicles, is terrible. And that's, <laughs> despite some of the shows we've covered in this podcast, that's still a turnoff for me. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Like, this is a series that I'm, like, in a whole hog and, like, you know, just absolutely delighted by it. And you are just bouncing off it so hard. And that is absolutely fascinating. Like, that so seldom happens. I tried watching most of episode two, and, like, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll put, it, it's just, if it was, like, full-on robot chicken parody, that'd be one thing. And if it, if it was just, like, a soft, you know, kiddie-grade Star Wars story, that'd be another thing. But every second, it's telling a terrible joke that's not funny, and that's terrible for a show, like, being... Way too self-aware can poison the show. You have to be very good to manage that. Speaking of which... <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, uh, so we thus begin this week our coverage of Doom Patrol. Uh, as we mentioned in our previously uh, episode 100... Yay, we're in episode 101! Oh hey, this is yeah, episode yeah, 101. Yeah, you'll, you'll be hearing episode 100 soon once I... Finally get around to singing half of a song I decided we should do and editing it together. Harry, like, me recording that track took, like, two and a half minutes. Like, you know, I just, I put the music on, I got in the zone, and I just laid down hot fire. Last time I tried to do a musical track, I was screaming into the wrong, wrong end of a directional microphone. Like, I, I'm gonna try to do this right. I'm gonna do <laughs> multiple takes. I might do the, like, the layering thing, like, they do in some rap tracks, because I want to, I... I have high standards, Sam. That's not true. Yeah. We all know it's not true. But even if I did, but even if I did, they would have been what met because we watched the first two episodes of Doom Patrol, and I, for my part, really liked them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, let's spoil our review up top. It's good, <laughs> or at least the first two episodes are really good. Yeah, also, I, really I, fucking weird. Yeah, it. You know, it. Uh, I, certainly, we've been disappointed before. And if this turns out to be shitty, then it would be a disappointment. But right now, it's it's a delight. Mm -hmm. uh, and what what you can tell it's going to be a delight, because it opens with Alan Tudyk being being himself and great. Like, I love Alan Tudyk. He's great in everything. Okay. I'm going to say something controversial here. I love Alan Tudyk. Dot, dot, dot. I think he might be getting a little overused. Uh... I, I think it was the point where Alan Tudyk was voicing the chicken in Moana. That I was like, okay, we can stop using Alan Tudyk this much. I didn't really consider that a genuine voice role because I didn't know he was the... Because the chicken's not really a speaking role. Like, see, that that's the fucking point. Like, why? 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 It's a chicken. It goes, Baka! look, look, I just did as good as Alan Tudyk for that role. And no, you I, did. we shouldn't be able to say that. First of all, no, you didn't. And second of all, <laughs> you know, Hollywood is just an incestuous pile of, give, of giving each other money for no reason. It's just sometimes it's obvious, like with any Happy Madison production, and other times they hide it better, you know? 
It's it. It's just you know. I feel like in fifty years we're gonna realize. Oh, hey, all of Hollywood was just a money laundering scheme for you know drug cartels. It's just it went on for a super long time. Uh, that said, Alan Tudyk is really good at this role. At least yeah. you know. Again, dot dot dot. So far, I only found out which character. So a fun thing about Doom Patrol is I came into this knowing basically nothing about it. Like I, so it took until the end of the second episode for me to know the name of the character he's playing. Well, I mean, they say it, like, up top. They say it in the first, like, 30 seconds of episode one. He's he's Mr. Morden. Well, right, but then he's... But I mean, he also says something about... Uh, uh, like, my, I was going off pirate things because Sad did tell me until far too late that there were... That the first three episodes are on YouTube. Just go watch them, by the way. Yeah, by <laughs> the way, yeah, first three episodes, they are on YouTube. Search for Doom Patrol Watch Party. Like, because Doom Patrol, they put out the first three episodes to be like, Hey, everyone, our show is good. We should watch it. And so it's on YouTube. So you you should watch it. Uh, yeah, he's he's doing a very fourth wall breaking speech about superhero stories, stuff like that. Uh, and how and he <laughs> he continues to break like you know he he name checks Grant Morrison like in the middle of an episode. And this is him at before his origin because as he's just a guy who found a escaped Nazi scientist in uh what Ecuador or something Paraguay in Paraguay. And gave him a big bag of money to put him in a chamber and shoot him full of energy. Yes, it's a, a Nazi hiding in South America post-World War II. And so he goes inside a Nazi Captain America chamber. The guy says to just repeat the mind is the limit over and over while he gets shot full of stuff. And kind of dissolves into energy. Yeah, it's a little clear. Like he not like dissolves uh, like, you know just fade away more like split into lego sized components yeah he he derezzes he derezzes and it's a it's a wonderful effect then we we cut to brendan fraser finally back in a superhero thing after the after the mummy trilogy kind of broke his body and rendered him an invalid for a while i guess he's recovered enough did did you know about that sam yeah, yeah, I know, I know all the shit that, like, Brendan Fraser has got, or at least, like, some of the shit Brendan Fraser's got through, and God bless it, like, you know, I love Brendan Fraser, you and I, we grew up on Brendan Fraser, like, he's one of the people that, like, shaped our youth, and, you know, a lot of the joy of our teens came from Brendan Fraser, so. He's made some, he, he's made some good and bad movies, but also he's a celebrity who I feel like has never, like, punched anybody on screen or yelled stuff about minorities, so, yeah, I love him. <laughs> yeah, he just seems like a, a nice guy who likes to make good movies, and holy shit, we need more of those. He starts off as a very successful race car driver who is cheating on his wife very explicitly this is what i noticed oh this must be on hbr or something because they're doing like they're, they're showing the chest of the lady that he's having sex with. uh so having watched it on youtube harry like they it, there is like actual full nudity like in the hbo cut oh yeah i mean i must have uh I, well that's the one benefit from watching the pirated version i guess Okay. Yeah. yeah, I got like a I got a fuzz bar or something, which uh, could have been either, you know, YouTube censorship or I mean, it was kind of like throwback fuzzy bar. I thought it might have been a joke. Yeah, It's a meta enough show that they could just have censor bars show up on screen. Yeah. But no, in, in the in the regular in the regular version, he's just having sex with a lady, but then he kind of composes himself, pops up, pops out and, you know, says hello to his wife and you know hangs out with his daughter yes uh we then cut to a racetrack where uh his wife and him and by the way all of this like the entire uh, just if we don't mention it assume that alan tudyk is narrating everything that's going on like it's not all the time he he cuts in and out so it's like at, in this joke is that uh overused so we're at a racetrack now where his wife tells him to crash and die and uh then he does yeah, he he gets a call from his wife over the radio where she explicitly tells him that she's cheating on him with his pit boss and he sees her grabbing his crotch like and glaring at him through the window and that distracts him enough to cause an accident and the last thing he sees is a another car flipping into the air towards him. And then he wakes to see uh, the face of like an evil British man uh, in a wheelchair just staring at him with a blowtorch. Very gradually, clearly working on stuff like a... On, like kind of his face and saying, "Hey, can you, can you move your head? Remember how to move your head? You know, like say, 
say words. You know, he he's kind of trying to guide him back to functionality. So a lot of superhero shows, a lot of superhero properties, they tend to go past the parts where like becoming a superhero is fucking awful. This is not clean and easy origin stories in the series. No, like the origin stories of like the various main characters we're about to like meet, they span decades of just pain before they enter the scene. Like partway through one a thing when the guy's showing a flashcards, he sees a calendar. And he's like, oh, oh, fuck. Like, that calendar says this is 1995, and the last thing I remember was 1988. So just to get his brain to the point where he can barely talk, it's been seven years. He's not doing great. Also, he's he does a little bit worse temporarily when a... So the scientist guy who's helping him, he's, uh... Oh god, what what's the actor's name? He, he's, he's one of those that guys. He's, he's a good that guy. Like, he's, he's the bad guy from The Rocketeer. He's like the evil... He's the evil British guy. I don't think I've ever seen this guy play a non-villain. He, he was in Hot Fuzz. He was the supermarket owner. God, I I should know his name. Um, I mean, the character's name is, I believe, Niles. Is that right? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's Niles. Uh, a lady who was kind of hanging around during some of the experiments and seemed not super interested. She's just down in martinis. And she says, all right, the, Dr. Niles, he's, he's being nice and is kind of trying to give you gradual information, but I feel like the truth of, truth is important. So here's a mirror. You're just a robot now. Yeah, and uh I mean take a look at take a look at the artistry for the show, but like it's a very steampunky, like heavy, bulky. It it's not a sexy Iron Man. It's so, yeah. uh They did not update this design to be in line with modern day sensibilities. It is exactly the the covered in bolts and thick iron design that I'm sure he was when he first showed up in the comic. Which again I have like pretty much no idea because I did almost no research onto the show. Yeah, I, I wanted to go in uh, fresh. Uh, for example, it took me a while to figure out what was the deal with the lady. So a- as he's super depressed and being kind of wheeled around, he's still learning how to walk. He's helped with a guy in uh, lots of bandages, just like full body bandages. Looks like looks like the Invisible Man. Well, and it I looks can't... like the looks like the Invisible Man when he's visible. Yes, when he's visible because he's wrapped himself up in bandages. Yeah, I, I, we're explaining for, it terribly. For a while, I thought he might have been the invisible man. Like that's how little I knew about this. But no, he's apparently negative man. I still don't know much about him. But they go to his origin story, where he was a test pilot for the U.S. military, uh, very you know very skilled, and he was doing kind of a uh, suborbital flight when he ran into some space radiation and crashed into the ground and. Then kind of stumbled out of the wreckage, burning in his flesh, you know, torn apart. Yeah, this uh, the space radiation he hit, it, like, definitely uh, shot into him with purpose and intent. Uh, and they they don't reveal it right now, but he was also a closeted gay man, which is just adding to his, uh, you know, portrayal. And hey, get that up front, I always like that. Uh, I will give the show a lot of credit, you know, for casting, like, Matt Bomer one of the more beautiful men in Hollywood, and wrapping him up in bandages for the entire series. Yep, they they, they full-on dreaded it. Well, not for the entire series, because at the end of episode two, he he comes out of it, but he he does have the, you know, Hollywood... He doesn't really have skin. Yeah, he, he has the, the horrible Burns makeup, so he you still don't see his actual face. But let's say that for the end of episode two. There's more recaps, they... they, they they it's elegantly threaded better than we're doing right now but as he's going through the physical rehab he's like trying to walk over some stairs and we find out about the lady uh, who is rita a golden film actress uh who back in 1955 so again this is 1995 this is 40 years after her accident and oh okay this this recap is catching something that i did because i thought she was just being icingly racist and not liking a Kind of a black cameraman, but no, apparently there's a guy with one arm that I didn't notice. I, I was surprised that a thing that happened later in this episode, like she was to be guy seriously racist again. I thought that that was a side of growth. Anyway, uh, so she was just, she was an actress who was filming a scene in the jungle, uh, and she fell through some planks, and there was a, there was a... It's not really showed what it is, at least not in the first two episodes, but she hit something in the water in this river that went inside of her. 
And when she came out of the water, she started melting. So she's Mr. Elastic. She's Mr. Fantastic. Uh, dot, 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 except she can't really control her stretchiness or elasticity. And so she's more or less just like a, a silly putty blob when she gets emotional. And after a little bit, they also introduce uh, Jane, who they refer to a lot as Crazy Jane. And even though this is a pretty good portrayal, I'm, I'm not totally comfortable calling her that, so I'll just say Jane. Uh, I mean, her superpower is split personalities. Yeah, but crazy still isn't the best term for that. Like, I I, I, I get what they're doing, and that's probably her original name, but like, I, this is a good portrayal. But like, it's just, it's still kind of, a, like, the way they're doing that, it's, eh. Is there problematic language? Yes. At the same time, she is a superhero. Like, I mean, she has 64 personalities. Like, I think, I, I think we could go with Crazy Jane here. Oh, okay. And and she has what I think are, like, actual comic Legion's powers, not Legion from the Legion TV show that I need to watch more of. Uh, apparently it ended okay, is what I hear. Mm-hmm. She has a bunch of multiple personalities, like 60 or so, and each one has a different superpower. Her baseline form appears to not have powers, uh, at least, well, aside from being stable. Well, I think everybody here has the power of being immortal, because we haven't gotten into it, but, like, uh... Uh, Negative Man, he was a pilot who crashed in the 70s. Elastigirl is from the 60s. Jane is also from, I think, a couple decades ago. And She the- mentions at some point this episode that she's been hanging around the mansion since the 70s. And, you know, she's portrayed by someone in her 20s, you know, one of the stars from Orange is the New Black. So, yeah, I, I think this is a mansion full of immortals. Just yeah, people and- out of time. And, like, as, as the... the- like, the Doctor also doesn't seem to age over the decades we see him, so I, I have to assume he's also some variety of immortal. Like, he, he's he's elderly, he's in a wheelchair, but I, I think he's still... I, I think he's still somehow... I, I was less clear on that. I thought in some of the flashbacks in the next episode he had, like, darker hair, but again, who, who knows? Maybe we'll see. I still think it's less than it should be over... Well, we'll, we'll get to it, because the... So, Robot Man? Uh, he, he's working through... His, he, he's working through his, uh, like, trauma. He really wants to be able to walk over those steps, and he starts seeing visions of his daughter, like, reconnecting. Because, like, he, he kind of says, like, hey, you know, my relationship with my wife was kind of over, but I really want to go find my daughter and reconnect. And he remembers, you know, helping her walk up some stairs and uses that to kind of get over them and goes and talks to Dr. Dallas and says, hey, I, you've really helped me out here, but I feel like, you know... I do want to just give it a shot and go talk to my family and, uh, like, see, see, you know, maybe they'll accept me, maybe not, but I gotta know. And then the doctor does something very cruel and uh, gives him back a little bit of his memories because he hasn't exactly been remembering everything that happened on the day he died. Yeah, because that, when, when he was a race car driver and caused an accident, he survived it. Like, he drove under the car flipping and won the race and then, like, in front of a bunch of cameras, beat the shit out of his pit boss. And st- he clearly went to, like, a... He went into an alcoholic spiral and his life kind of fell apart. Uh, well, when you say fell into an alcoholic spiral and his life fell apart, I thought that that was that same evening. <laughs> no, I think there was, like, some time passing. Because he 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 is at the place of the, the babysitter and, sp- like, you know, again... No, he, he's in his trailer. He's in his trailer at the racetrack. I really got the sense that there was more time in between there. I'm not sure it matters. Uh, this is probably an entirely academic, like, disagreement. But uh, the point is, like, between the uh, the race where he found out his wife was cheating on him with his pit boss and uh, the night where, you know, everything falls apart further, it's either the same day, it's a different day. Um, but yeah, he comes to his senses, he calls his wife back and starts to try and make amends. So they meet up. They're like, going I, on a drive I, yeah, to have a conversation. He doesn't, he doesn't know what happened to him, but, you know, he wants to try to make this work. You know, hey, let's all get in the car. And he, he turns to look at them He's with some love in his eyes and says, let's go get pancakes. But because he was looking at them all happy, he wasn't looking at the road. And so there's a there's an accident and the doctor informs him that he was the only survivor. And even that has an asterisk next to it because he's just a brain. Yeah, like, he, he drove under a truck with some pipes, and so it just kind of went at head level. So, I, I wonder if this is something that will be set up later, 
how did the doctor know to go find that guy's brain that was on the road? Like, was there... Because, like, the other people, they had their origin story and they were weird. But as far as society is concerned, that's just, like, a brain on the road. Like, why did the... Why did Dr. Niles know to show up and be like, oh, no, I can build a robot body for this one? Well, maybe... Maybe he didn't know Harry. Maybe this is one of those things where he had, like, someone at the hospital morgue, and so every time a warm brain would come in, he'd, like, throw him a 20 and try sticking him in the robot body, and this is just the first one that's stuck. I don't think so, because he's... He really seems to be more on... Unless the Doctor is, like... I mean, obviously he's keeping secrets and lying to them, uh, but I don't think he's going to the point of just, like, mass-producing these people with these abilities, uh, like, kind of just for his own interests. Like, I, I I would be surprised to find that out. Well, I mean, it's a little bit of a spoiler jump, but maybe it has something to do with the fact that, like, we know, like, he's not telling Robot now, but we know that the daughter actually survives. So maybe there's something involved with that. Like, maybe, maybe that uh, he connected with the daughter, maybe, I don't know. Maybe he was a racing fan. Maybe he was at the track. But in any case, this, this, as you might expect, really fucks up Robot Man because he found, finds out, no, there's no chance at reconnecting with your family because you got all of them killed, including yourself. Basically, there's a montage of, you know, the other other people like Negative Man and Elastigirl, who had been very standoffish. They start to, you know, hang out with him and over the course of three decades. Like, we time jump between 1995 and... And 2018. But I do want to pause here. Like, we're we're rushing through this. We're going super fast. I just want to emphasize, there's a lot of, like, heart and care and charm in this series. There's just so many, like, lines and interstitials. Like, there's scenes between all the characters where we, we do get to see bonding. We do get to see the relationships. And we have a very, very good feel for it. Like, we know that Negative Man pretty much defers constantly to Rita. Like, Rita is in charge of, like, you know, the monsters of the house, at least as far as, at least as far as Negative Man is concerned. Um, and we're, as Rita is a bitch, uh, Negative Man is super, super nice and charming. <laughs> like, even with Robot, like, you know, the pilot, he was, you know, wheeling around Robot and just having a pleasant conversation and just trying to build him up. So we see that coming through on him as well. And even with robots, like, we cut past one of my favorite lines, like, after his flip out, uh, you know, having learned that he killed his family, uh, Robot drops the line, Doctor, I can't feel pain. You made it so I can't feel pain. That's mighty shitty of you, Doc. Because, you know, he's been just trying to, like, punch walls and, you know, destroy everything. But because he's a robot, like, nothing is actually happening to him. It, the, the writing is super snappy, and I, maybe I'll have to go back to the to the method of me pausing and writing down good lines, because there's a lot of good lines in this series. Yeah, I was trying to write down some uh, uh, some good lines, but, you know, a lot were flying past me. So he's just in kind of his own room, and Negative Man just brings in some, like, model cars, which... I It's one of those things that could be really good or could be really crushing, but it maybe over the course of working on it for years, Robot Man slowly builds up a whole model set in his room and, you know, just creates, a, like, a racetrack and that just, you know, like, just... It's a hobby, you know, to keep him busy. Like, the Negative Man has plants. Uh, Elastigirl has alcoholism? What, what does she have? Oh, she knits. She knits. She knits and she watches movies. Mostly the movies that she was in. She really wants to relive her heydays, but that's it's difficult when you kind of melt anytime you lose the clamp on your emotions. Yeah, uh, Elastigirl, like, she, you know, she's still wearing, like, clothes from the 50s. Like, she is not updated at all. She is very much time-locked back to the point where her life just went off track. Uh, and so they're they're just hanging out, and, like, after the montage, you know, Robot Man, he's he's, like, a little glum, but he's he's mostly back to, he, he's, you know, chatting, he, he's... He has uh, accepted his fate. Like, you know, he has accepted his lot in life. Yep, yeah, he, and, uh, but then it's disrupted a little bit when someone who hasn't been there in a while, I guess, like, did you really not show up for the whole time? Yeah, I was a little unclear about this because we had an almost 30-year time jump, and so Crazy Jane is showing up. I gotta, because for the pacing of the pilot, they wait to introduce her, but I feel like they gotta, it's really weird that she was there for this whole 
she was gone for the whole span. Like, they ha- there has to be something where, like, he was just, I don't know. Robot might have not left the room that he's been in yeah, for 30 he might, years. He might have just not left the room. And may- maybe it was something like that. Because she integrates really well with the group really quickly. Like, she, she, she knows people too much to have been gone for that whole time. Like, without any contact. And she, you know, kind of performs a bit. Like, she's cycling between personalities, some of which are pleasant, some of which very much aren't. Her and Cliff kind of get into a bit of an argument that ends with uh, Jane in the form of Hammerhead, which is one of the personalities that shows up a lot, because she's she's super strength, and that's, you can do lots of stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she, like, basically assaults assaults him physically, and also grabs his robot crotch, which, considering he has really no sensation, is really just more of a weird thing than anything. Uh, but then uh, Robot goes downstairs to have a, a chat with the hangman's daughter, uh, another one of her personalities who was in the garden painting, and who was very apologetic about her former behavior. Yeah, and, and he says, you know, some of that was on you, but I've been really stressed recently. It's it's a couple days away from my daughter's birthday, and I haven't been able to, you know, I haven't seen her in 30 years, so I guess it's just... You know, it's getting on me, and you know, let's let's do a fresh start. It, it's real nice, you know, because I feel like I was kind of expecting for them to be standoffish for way longer, but th- they're actually grown up enough to be like, "Hey, that was a bad moment," but actually, you know, let's let's just talk this out. Yes, in the thirty years that he didn't leave that room, I'm sure he had some great, you know, cognitive behavior therapy. Yeah, like take deep breaths. Well, mm, d- just you know, f- feel the tension in your body. Oh wait, mm, uh, you know. Happy place, how about that? (laughs) The Hangman's Daughter is a painter, uh, as we'll see, you know, more later uh, on uh, future episodes. Uh, But she's just, like, painting pictures, and uh, after a while, uh, Niles, the caretaker, uh, says that he is off to run some errands, off to do some chores. And so Crazy Jane comes up with the idea that the four uh, people of the mansion should go on a field trip to the nearby town. Which is something that Dr. Niles has forbidden them from doing. Because it, they're they're doing better, but they're still kind of... that He's worried that they will cause a seed and cause lots of problems. Yes. Crazy Jane and Rita look human nominally. Uh, robot and Negative Man very much do not. Yeah, I mean, Negative Man could be a a man who's been scarred and is just wearing bandages. That's, you know, that's... I... I... I'm not sure if that's, like, an actual real-world thing. Like, I've seen people with pretty pretty extensive burn scars, and they just kind of had visible burn scars. But I, I think it's not something people would be surprised about. But Robot Man is a large robot, and he's, like, clicking around. So the best people could think is that he's a very intuit cosplayer or something. <laughs> After some uh, prodding, some poking, like, uh, Robot's immediately down to go on the trip. Uh, Rita and the pilot are not. Uh, but then Rita eventually changes her mind, which means that she drags along the pilot because he just does whatever Rita tells him to. Yeah, he he really doesn't like calling the shots. Um, I don't think it's that. Like, you know, he it really does feel like he just, you know, defers to Rita. Like she's he lives in a military structure, a military mindset, and she's the commander. Yeah, I I mean, more that he defers to Dr. Dr. Niles. But, you know, when he's gone, Rita is kind of the. Maybe the next in line or whatever. So, like, Niles is the captain, Rita's the sergeant or something? Well, Rita just kind of assumes authority, so maybe he's just, you know, catching on to that. Uh, they debated for a bit, but then Jane convinces everybody, so they get in their, their car, which is a school bus painted black. <laughs> and they headed to town uh, to have a quick field trip. Uh, Rita goes into a diner. A uh, negative man goes into a bar, and then uh, Jane and Robot just hang out at a park, uh, smoking a joint. You know, uh, they have they each have some interactions. Like, uh, negative man, he just kind of, he tries to, well, he orders a beer and just wants to sit there quietly, but he's he's worried everyone is staring at him, which, you know, they are. But he's the least eventful of the group, I'd say. Um, um for, uh, initially, for a bit. Initially. 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 Yeah. He's... He, he more uh, pops off after other people have popped off, kind of in reaction. Uh, so, uh, Jane and Robot Man, they're sitting on a bench in the park, and Jane, you know, pops out some weed and smoking it, and Robot Man says, I really want to be able to smoke that weed. So, she just blows it in his face, he's like, no, nothing. 
like they're trying they're trying they're you know they had they had a rough introduction but they're actually bonding pretty well at this point it's like oh well th- you know they jane takes him to a toy store to pick a nice present for his daughter so he, he gets a cool giraffe mm-hmm. and you know he says oh, that's great and she says well hey you know why don't you go give it to your daughter it's like you know she's she's dead she died 30 years ago and jane like is upset at this because she's been doing research and She's pretty sure his daughter is alive. Jade is very much undercutting the whole doctor's uh, storytelling here. I looked up on the internet. The, she was reported as the only survivor. There's there's three people with the name of your daughter in the US. We could probably find her. And Robot Man is like not ready to deal with this right now. He's like, no, shut up. She's she's dead. Some, and some cops some cops show up and be like, hey, you're openly smoking weed. And Jade turns to one of her more aggressive personalities and starts screaming at the cops so it's it's going bad yeah so that's going bad starting to go bad robots you know in between jane and some cops just trying to get some peace whereas back in the diner rita has come across a fan like uh the uh the waitress or the uh, uh the cook that's uh, serving her at the diner uh recognizes her from her old movies doesn't of course think that she's the actual person just that she has like a stunning resemblance to the movie person so they get to talking about the old movies rita she she's eating it it was mentioned earlier after like after she revealed her powers that her diet like on a day is like three rotisserie chickens so i think she <laughs> so i think she was trying to just like carb load or something with a big meal but she gets distracted because you know there's this nice lady who can tell her about her heyday and and she, this lady is also african-american which was like which i guess i was on a weird tangent because like i thought she was being super racist but now she's being nice oh that's growth it was a little it was a little hard to parse um but like the uh yeah back in the thing in africa like there was a little bit of racial tension going on because, you know, it's a white lady filming a film in Africa in the 50s. So, you know, some shit was going on. She's told stories and Rita's really lucky, though. But then the stories are more like, eh, but some of her later, later movies weren't too good. Also, my dad had a bunch of porn of a uh, lady who... Was it, was it of Rita herself or someone who just looked like her? The waitress said that it was of Rita herself. Now, Rita responded very poorly to this revelation and i'm not sure if this is like if this is something new to her or if she knows someone who it might have actually been like stealing her identity or if hey maybe she herself like in in her hard times in the 60s you know after she was losing her power maybe she did actually turn to porn who knows uh but the point is like goes very poorly yeah it stresses her out which is a trigger for her powers you know losing control and she starts melting and bulging out of her clothes. She quickly pays her check and start tries to waddle out of the building, but explodes into an Akira flesh monster who menaces the town. Yeah, yeah. So apparently when Rita melts, like, she she definitely grows in volume. Like, she's about the size of, like, an SUV, I'd say. She's going down the middle of the street and everyone is screaming and running away from the flesh blob. And... Very, very natural response. I blame no one for their response on this. Yeah, and the other members of the team see this and are like, oh, god damn it. Like, neutral man, he sees it and just, he kind of turns on his heel and runs away. He is trying to get out of the situation, uh, and we really haven't gone much into exactly what negative man... By the way, Harry, you said neutral man, which is, you know, it's not the opposite of negative man, that would be positive man, uh, but it's definitely... You got you got the symbol in front of him wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I might get that wrong a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get a lot wrong on the show, <laughs> but it's it's very unclear exactly what triggers his powers and kind of what his powers are, because as he's running away <clears throat> in a panic, the electrical being inside him leaps out and starts just like shorting down power lines. Yeah, it kind of EMPs a chunk of the town. It just shorts out things, and he, he flops to the ground, like, basically dead. Uh, see, okay, I'm not sure if he flops down basically dead, or if he flops down dead. No, I, I think he is effectively dead when that thing's not in him. Like, he he's being kept alive by the thing, so when it's not there, he's just a corpse on the ground. Yeah, yeah, which we'll get into more next episode, but, or at least part of it. That crashes some cars, which end up stuck in the way of the Rita Blob. 
So Robot Man and Jane are kind of the ones on hand to deal with it. And Jane's best response is to turn into a giant flaming, uh, like, energy being. And Robot Man is like, no, not that. So he just he just grabs a chunk of the street and pulls it up in front of Rita to stop her. And just, just kind of make her stop moving so she can control herself. Yeah, it makes her pause long enough that she's able to form a face and say that she wants to get out of there. So they head back home. And, you know, th- there's lots of news reports about the chaos of the town. Uh, Niles, when he shows up, is very pissed off that uh, that everyone has defied him. Maybe it's just 2020, but I feel like maybe it's, I don't know, maybe my standards have changed. I feel like people talking about the chaos of the town, it was like, a, like one street was messed up and like there was a couple car crashes <laughs> and like one building. Just like, Come on, that, that's like every other day here. I mean, this is explicitly a town of like 8,000 people. Yeah, like, in a man. town of 8,000 people, like, a couple businesses being broken and a big chunk of street being ripped up, like, in the middle of the day, that would be pretty big news. Whatever. We're, we're hard here in 2020. <laughs> oh, Harry, this show was made, like, two years ago. How much has changed in two years? Fucking a lot. But anyway, Dr. Niles shows back up, you disobeyed my orders, and you really messed up. There are enemies in this world that I'm trying to protect you from, from, and they know exactly what happened there. We need to run away now. Yes. You don't understand what you've done. You don't understand the people that are going to be coming here. Like, the town is doomed because of you. Like, the town is going to be destroyed because our enemies are going to come there and destroy it. Like, that... that so... Uh, Negative Man and Rita are very chastened, but Robot Man pipes up and says, Hey, so as far as us not understanding things, you have been lying to me about the whole daughter being dead thing. And Dr. Niles cops to it and says, I wanted to protect you from her reaction. And Robot Man says, No, you robbed me of the chance to, like, like, I had no possibility to have that, uh, that, that, hold on, let me rephrase this. You robbed me of the opportunity to even try and fix things. Which is pretty harsh. Again, unless the daughter had something to do with his resurrection in the first place. In, in any case, uh, the the doctor is very resolute. They need to get out of there and now. But Robot Man says, no, we, what happened in the town, that is on us. And if someone is coming to, you know, destroy it, then we are going to stay there and stop it. And no one else wants to do it. So he starts just slow Hulk walking uh, towards the town, just completely by himself, while everyone packs into Jane's van to get the hell out of there. They're not really that far out of town before Jane immediately changes her mind again. I guess that's kind of a Jane move, but she also convinces the others to go and help him. She starts asking some probing questions, you know, and uh, gets Rita on board, which gets Mr. Negative Man on board as well. And uh, even though Niles is still very much against, they turn back to the town, pick up Robot, and go to stand in the middle of the street. Yeah, they're, they're doing a superhero pose, like, very dramatic. And then... Then a donkey nobody. shows up. Yeah, a donkey shows up, farts a gas cloud into the air that says the mind is the limit, and then a hole appears in the ground that starts swallowing the town. Uh, also, back in the van, uh, where... Uh, where Dr. Niles is, uh, Alan Tudyk reemerges as, like, glowing, floating Lego bits in the air. Yeah, like, he he is only partially manifesting himself. Like, there's big chunks of him missing. Niles calls him Mr. Morden, but uh, Mr. Morden turns back and says, I haven't been Mr. Morden since... Ah, no, help me! That's basically the end of the first episode, with Robot Man looking at the giant glug hole in the ground and going, what the fuck? So the second episode starts, and it becomes clear this is not something that could be solved by the powers that these people have. No, very much not. Very much not. Like, the town is getting sucked into the hole, and no one here can stop it. Uh, also, there's a talking cockroach? Yeah, like, it, it, it talks in the voice of... it. I feel like it was talking in Alan Tudyk's voice. Maybe it was him just projecting his mind into another animal or something i don't know what his powers are or anything it it didn't read like that to me it read like just an entirely different person like an, another sentient being of, of some kind of power that was in the town and got sucked into the negative hole i'll maybe i'll look it up later but maybe that's some long doom patrol thing that like maybe he's a major character there's a weird talking cockroach 
Like, th- this is the weird stuff group of the DC, apparently. There's been so many superhero shows lately. It is really fun watching a show where I genuinely have no fucking clue what's going to happen one minute to the next. People are getting pulled into the giant, like, burning energy hole, and the heroes try to grab people and stop them from going in, but they quickly fail. Eventually, the bus goes in uh, with Niles, and uh, immediately after that, uh, Jane leaps into the black hole, too. And then the hole just kind of closes up, and they're left in the the ashes of what used to be a city. Yeah, uh, Rita, Robot, and Negative Man are just standing in the streets. They're like the only three people left. And Rita just turns to the other two and says, guys, we're not heroes. We need to leave. <laughs> yeah, we fucked this up. I mean, did they fuck it up or did they have no chance? I mean, they kind of had no chance. Jane has a weird, vague enough power set that she might have been able to do something. Also, I feel like if they're moving towards Negative Man, his energy being maybe be might be able to deal with something on this level. But he, he is in no way in control of it. You know, it's a whole... Like, At least not of, yet, yeah. Yeah, part of the plot of this episode is him dealing with that. Now they, they head back home and the story cuts to Cyborg. Yeah, completely different city, uh, you know, just hard cut to, you know, completely different storyline. And uh, we see a woman being mugged. She is being taken to an ATM at gunpoint to pull out some money. And the ATM starts talking to her and asking her questions that ATMs don't ask. Is that guy behind you your friend or is he mugging you? It's It starts talking to the mugger saying like, hey, how much money do you want? Come on, do you, how rich do you really want to be? Do you want to be Bruce Wayne rich? Hey, is that guy at the corner? Are, is he your accomplice? Or are you going to cut him out or what? Like, it, And uh, as the guy freaks out and pulls out his gun, Cyborg comes in and quickly disarms him. And this, they do a very good job at showing that Cyborg is in a regular superhero show. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got like, we got the freak squad of like the four crazy superheroes. And then we have Cyborg, who's just a real straight up normal ass superhero and like the straight man to all this chaos. Yeah, you could watch this on the CW. Is Cyborg in any of the CW shows? No, I I think they wanted to save him for the, the movie, the Justice League. I do remember hearing some vague things about fans disputing which version of Cyborg was the better one. It's this one. And I'm, I'm sorry that also apparently there's a thing going on where the the movie Cyborg guy had to deal with terrible treatment on set to the point where Jason Momoa is siding with him and be like, no, yeah, that was fucked. Oh, Justice League, the gift that just keeps on giving. You know, we get mad about Star Wars on this podcast, but if we were deep into like DC movies and the Snyderverse, boy, would we have a lot more to be sad about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd be on... You know, we'd be on Suicide Watch, we would have been. <laughs> Suicide Squad Watch. <laughs> but but the Harley Quinn movie was good, sadly. I know, Harley Quinn was good, uh, Wonder Woman was good, I haven't seen Aquaman, I've heard it's okay, and maybe the next Suicide Squad will actually be good too. Maybe the next Wonder Woman will also be good. Like, they're just making sequels of the good ones, and also Suicide Squad. Uh, where were we? Oh, so, so, uh, Cyborg, he, he... Beats up the criminal, but notably, the lady he saves recognizes him and is like, oh, you're Cyborg. And then he goes to kind of a a uh, late night food court and he's just hanging out with people. His, his augmentations are visible and it's clear that Cyborg is able to function in society, which is something nobody else is able to do. Yeah, he's just a known quantity and uh, apparently this is Detroit. Uh, <laughs> Detroit, the, the city of Cyborg augmentations. <laughs> Yep, hangs out with RoboCop. Uh, but he catches the news uh, where a city has been destroyed. <clears throat> Harry, did you catch the name of the city? Oh, Clover or something. I want to say Cloverfield, but that's wrong. It's, it's Culverton or something. Uh, it, it starts with a C. Canyon Town. It's not there anymore. It doesn't matter. C- Calverton. Calverton. It's a Cal- recap. Thank you, Entertainment Weekend. <laughs> But he catches that Calverton was destroyed and has a quick flashback uh, to meeting with uh, Niles uh, from Calverton. And uh, Niles explaining that he has a team of superheroes, or he doesn't call them superheroes, a team of, you know, associates that he's working with and uh, trying to nurse back to health just outside of Calverton. Yeah, we see see an interesting dichotomy here because uh, Cyborg, he's dealing with his father, who is 
very demanding and specific in his plans about how Cyborg, you know, he'll be upgraded and he'll make it better and he'll be a big time superhero. But Niles is is dealing with him on kind of like a more human level and like, you know, racing him, having fun and also helping him with some upgrades and stuff. And also it it's, doesn't become clear until later, but uh, Cyborg's dad uh, consistently refers to the other people Niles is helping as the circus freaks, you know, basically. Uh, it, it, I don't think... Ca- I don't think his dad's a good guy. No, I, I I think it's even true to the comics that Cyborg's dad is a real piece of shit. Like, I feel like I remember that. We'll find out soon enough. And anyway, Cyborg, seeing this and realizing that his the person who's maybe not his mentor, but like a, a good friend, might be in trouble, he goes to Calverton. Uh, so, as we, uh, we go back to the manor, Rita's busily cleaning up, um, and then Negative Man, we see is trying to flee town. Like, he is definitely trying to get right the hell out of there, so he is at a bus station buying a ticket, and he asks for the most remote location possible. And it's, like, somewhere somewhere like the middle of Nebraska. Like, you know, a town of nothing. I think Montana is what she says, big sky country. It's like, hey, yeah, I could work on my tan. And she stares at him, and he says, that that is a joke meant to ease this, the tension about my appearance. <laughs> but he, he goes out, and uh, the bus arrives, and he tries to get on, but the energy being pops out, and he is lifted on the ground as it leaves. And cue a comedy montage of him trying every possible location, but the being clearly does not want to go there. He just ends, like, screaming into the sky, like, What do you want from me? <laughs> you can't tell me what you want. I need to go. I'm trying to save people from you. And he's screaming this, like, in the middle of a bus stop while everyone else is kind of backing away. I feel really bad for Negative Man. Like... Everyone here got really shit hands. Do we think that negative man got the worst? I, I'm not sure that's a thing we can really judge. Like, I, look, Robot Man, th- I, they're all super, super shitty. Like, uh, Elastigirl is, like, she, I feel like a lot of the stuff she's dealing with might be even related to trauma, unrelated to her superpowerness, uh, as it's hinted later on. Negative Man, I think... I think specifically his powers may have hurt people around him when he was not in control of them. Like, again, it hits at them. We've seen Robot Man, like, he accidentally killed his wife, and he thought killed his daughter, and he's cut off from all sensation. And Jane is is kind of complicated. Like, I, I feel like she's, I mean, she's struggling with a severe mental illness that also has, has superpower implications. But, I guess we really I, can't compare, like, the traumas here. Like, this isn't a trauma Olympics. Though if this was, we would be seeing a lot of gold medalists in the show. No, oh, yeah, this is this is a this is a stacked team. Even the Russian judges would have to give them full marks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we then cut to uh, to the robot who is in the middle of the destroyed town, trying to chase down the donkey. And he's having some trouble because he's kind of slow in plotting, and the donkey is being an annoying donkey and wandering around. But Cyborg shows up and has tied up the donkey and. This show is very grown up for not having them do a fight before he says, you know, oh, hey, yeah, you should have said you knew Dr. Niles. And he was eaten by a giant hole thing and somehow the donkey is related. He was sucked into a hole after the donkey, like, farted some words into the air. Cyborg is not fully on board with this, but after a bit, the donkey does barf up Jane. Yep, 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 yep. I have here in my notes at that point, this show is fucking weird. Uh, so they take the donkey back home, and, and also Jane, who is a little bit comatose. She's kind of in and out. Rita and Negative Man, they like they continue to just not want to be involved. Like, we're not heroes, we're not involved in this, you guys do what you need to do, but don't involve us. Uh, Cyborg has the donkey in front and is kind of scanning it, and Cyborg is trying to help out Jane, who wakes up, but she's not Jane, she's like cycling through other personalities, and she's not particularly together. And, you know, he can't really get good, actionable intel from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cyborg shows up, and, and uh, one of the personalities Jane cycles into is a youngish one that is a big fan of Cyborg, so, the, so they hit it off. And Cyborg thinks he can handle the situation. Uh, baby doll, I believe. Robot Man is a little bit miffed at being dismissed, so he goes to the labs, he finds some tapes of Dr. Niles, and starts just reviewing the the sessions he had with Jane when he was, you know evaluating her, trying to figure out how to help her with her stuff. Yeah, so it's 
kind of like one tape per personality. So we see like in some sections she's teleporting around a room and some sections she's like breathing fire. And she mentions that the underground is vast. So it would seem that her personalities kind of exist in a a psychic space where there's like it's like a psychic underground where when one like bubbles up to the surface, they can take control. But otherwise, they just kind of bubble down and just go to their designated spot. And they do mention that like some of the per- like some of the personalities do not get along even down there within her. There is specifically one that they call Katie and all the personalities seem afraid of Katie and say that she likes to keep to herself. She does not like being questioned. And Robert Mad sees this and starts yelling, oh fuck, oh fuck, and running back to the room with Cyborg. Because Cyborg is definitely questioning her. And uh, it was mentioned earlier that uh, by some of the personalities that Katie saw something inside the donkey and uh, might know something. So Cyborg is trying to get Katie to emerge. Yeah, she she's kind of cycling between things like, the, there's one of her personalities that, as far as I can tell, just has a scary special effect voice, and it's just chanting, you know, dead in his arms, dead in his arms, which might be important. Uh, but anyway, uh, when Cyborg pushes her hard enough, she explodes into the fire being from before and starts beating Cyborg up. Was this the same or was this different? Because this looked different than the previous version. Like, previously she was just, like, you know, a big glowing person, where in this version she's just straight up like the Phoenix. She's, you know, on fire all over. It's it's similar enough that I think it's just a minor difference in the way they were doing it. You know, just effects from episode one to episode two. And also, they, she cycles between a couple personalities as she's still beating up Cyborg. Like, that she she goes to... Oh, I forget what she's called, but one with lightning powers. Then she goes to a different one with, like, Updo. That also <laughs> can manifest her words as blades in the air that she then shoots at people. Silver Tongue, I believe, is that one. Uh, which is fascinating, and on her face she has, like, silver makeup, like, uh, uh, not Weird Boy style, like, War Boy style. Yeah, yeah, she's, Max. She, she's chromed up. <laughs> uh, it's great makeup and great personality. Yeah, and Robot Man is trying to get through to her, but then Robot just, you know, tackles her into a room and shuts her in there. So, it's kind of like a background fight where cyborg and robot are trying to deal with jade rita and negative man they're in the garden with the donkey cyborg comes out at some point and scans the donkey and they realize that the donkey's throat is a keyhole i do like the conversation because cyborg is saying things like oh maybe there's other dimensions or some kind of wormhole and negative man says yeah i remember those words being used improperly in books back when i was a kid you know it's like you're just saying old uh, bad science yeah, but it turns out that the, the donkey's throat is a portal to another world. So they realize they kind of need to send someone in there to scout it. And they look at Rita and she's like, no, I'm a Golden Globe nominee. Uh, but they do eventually talk her into melting into a garbage bag, which they then poke a single hole out of so she can send an eye stalk down the throat of a donkey. And she's talking to them as she's doing it, and Negative Man has to say, Hey, if you make me throw up, I have no choice but to swallow it, so please, keep going. But she sees something beautiful in there, and kind of gets sucked in. And when Cyborg and Negative Man try to stop her, they are also sucked in. And they arrive at the dimension inside the donkey. Yeah, which is the city. Like, they recognize some of the scenery, some of the buildings uh, from the destroyed city. Yeah, there's also, like, uh, big, like, th- there's basically pictures and kind of statues of recognizable people from the town, and there are three, like, audio tour headsets, like, named for the three people, like, uh, Goopy Girl, what is it, Bandage Guy, and Robot Man, or something? I thought it just said, like, it, it either said Vic or Cyborg. Yeah, something like that. But it was, like, it, it was in, uh... A uh, glitter, like silver glitter. They put them on, and uh, Mr. Morden starts narrating directly to them. He says, like, as they're looking over the situation, mm-hmm. it's like talking about their actions and stuff. He even says, Rita opened her mouth, even though she had nothing to contribute. And she, like, it's clearly about to talk, but she gets quiet after that. <laughs> uh, Mr. Morden, Mr. Nobody is very, very petty. 
Yeah. And he says, and then they walked forward to find the way to, to Dr. Niles. And they all kind of stand there. He starts King testing and said, he, they walk forward to find Dr. Niles. So he, like, something he mentioned in his talk with Dr. Niles is that he knows everything that's going to happen. But, but Niles, like, refutes that, says, like, you, you think you're in charge of this story, but you're not. Cut back to the mansion. Uh, Robot and Crazy Jane, they're alone together now. Crazy Jane is, like, semi-recovering uh, in her bedroom. And Robot uh, flashes back to time with his daughter. And so he tries to make some sandwiches to uh, to give to Crazy Jane. And uh, just make her day a little bit better. She is a little impressed. But then she says, too bad that three of us are, gluten- are gluten intolerant. Twelve of, us- Twelve of us are allergic to peanut butter. And none of us are your fucking daughter. And she throws it in his face. He was trying. I felt really bad for Robot. Yeah, but like, as 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 it goes on, you know, he's eventually letting him get to the door and saying like, hey, I I was looking for information, but honestly, at this point, I just want to make sure you're okay. And he he's clearly being very honest here, and that kind of gets through to her, so the relationship mends a little bit. And I just want to speed past this, because there's a lot that goes on inside the damn donkey. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, I... My notes here are thin, but, like, the visuals are strong. Yeah, like, the the direction is, in the show is amazing. I, I should say that, like, the first three episodes are on YouTube, go watch them. Yeah, but uh, Rita, Negative Man, and Cyborg, they're, they're all immediately separated into their own pasts, into their own minds. Yeah, uh, the, the, they, they each get thrown for the man who has everything. Rita is back in the 50s on a film set. Uh, Negative Man is back in a plane, and Vic... And, and, and Cyborg, well, I, I like what, uh, what Mr. Morton says. Cyborg, however, was an experienced enough superhero that this was not going to work on him, so I'll just skip right to the torture part. <laughs> so we get to see Cyborg lying, like, next to a burning, clearly exploded building, like, missing a huge chunk of the side of his head, like an arm and a leg ripped off, and it's bloody. Like, you know, th- he's... This like we see skull without an eye on the side of his head. Yeah, we we see we see brain without skull. It's Ugh. pretty bad there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like there's some narration about like how much pain he was in, but it was nothing compared to the pain when he remembered that his mother was with him during the house explosion. And sh- should we just go through each of them in turn? Because like l- let's just finish cyborgs. Uh so cyborg he shouts out like. This is stupid. I see this every time I go to sleep. I see this every time I close my eyes. You know, this is nothing. I. Uh, this is why I go out there. I save people every night as a promise to my mother, you know, that she will never be alive to except for me. I just want to make her proud. Mr. Borden laughs at that and says, you don't have memories. You have programming. Yeah, that he says that's total bullshit. And there's a brief scene of cyborg getting not even cyborgized but the part where his father was ripping off the dead parts of his body before he could do that and morton is speaking using his body saying like yeah you know this this whole thing is wrong you don't even know what's going on uh and when cyborg asks who he is he says oh i'm, I'm nobody so that, that's his name uh now on to rita like hers is kind of the most straightforward like you know she's She's on a film set, she's interacting with, like, you know, actors, directors, and she's going through the motions while clearly trying to have some kind of conversation uh, with Mr. Nobody. Yeah, and the narration becomes more and more like Rita continue to just go along doubly with the things that she knows is fake. And she says, which I think might be important to a character, well, what else can I do? <laughs> but the thing Morden kind of tempts her with, it says, oh, well, I know everything about you. I know what you've done in the past. And in the corner of the room, a baby appears. So oh, a baby so- carriage. A baby carriage. So something baby-related in her past. Yes, and, well, something traumatic and baby-related, because Rita keeps saying, don't show me this, don't show me this. <sighs> and the thing for Negative Man, which I didn't even plan it, but it's important because it's the one that kind of resolves this whole situation. Uh, he is put back into the fighter plane, back on the day he had the accident, and it gets... Like, it was one of those things where it's hooked to a larger plane and it gets dropped and he kind of picks it up. But at this one, it, it gets dropped and Morden says, and then he grabs the stick. A negative man, for a really long time, refuses to. Yeah, Mr. Nobody just keeps yelling at him, grab the stick, grab the stick. You know he you does, want to. Yeah, 
he does eventually and, you know, starts flying it and flying back through his memories. And behind him, like in the plane, like we see flashes of his wife and child. And then we see flashes of his uh, of his lover in the military. And then we see what looks like his lover in the military, but super like bloated and messed up. So I do think part of his deal with wanting to not get close to people is his energy being may have messed up his his bud. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But the point is uh, that he freaks out enough, the energy being pops out, and Morton says, oh yeah, there's new Deus Ex right on schedule. And it kind of rips open the dimension and pulls everybody out. Like, the town reforms and, like, uh, fully, fully physically reforms. Like, every building is rebuilt perfectly. Uh, all the sur- uh, all the people survive. Like, they're put back in their homes. Like, so, the, the sign out the front of the town, it has the population couch that, like, whizzes back up as, as people re-exist. And then the donkey explodes. Very bloodily. Very bloodily. Like, the donkey just, it kind of burps, it gets really big, and just pops with, like, organs and blood everywhere. And inside that, we see Negative Man, Rita, and Cyborg all lying upon the ground. Yeah, like, Negative Man, it almost looks like looks like he's gone through a costume change because his bandages are all fully coated red, but the other guys are just covered in gore. I mean, he, he presumably was also covered in gore, it's just he's a little bit more absorbent than the other two. They, they pop out, and Jane, who has now bonded enough with Robot to, like, kind of be up and about, she says, oh yeah, that was a trap, I could have told you. And Rita's like, oh, great, great, Jane's back. Uh, Robot asks what the hell happened, to which Cyborg responds, the donkey was a door. They're still trying to figure things out. Cyborg realizes, or he he decides, that this is actually kind of good news, because Mr. Nobody was very clearly trying to scare them off, which means that it, he's not totally omnipotent. There is some vulnerability. There is a way to oppose him and hurt him, and he was trying to stop them from that. And that makes sense, you know, he's an experienced superhero. Uh, also, his dad shows up, wanting to bring him home. Like, he had gone into private mode, but apparently there is a failsafe built into his uh, machinery where if he leaves the, uh, if he leaves the material played, his father is notified. <laughs> that's fair for a superhero. Like, it, that's, that's something to put on your gear. Yeah. Yeah. But, and the dad is really saying, hey, you need to go back to the city. Like, I have a plan for you. I could give you upgrades. You could be a real strong superhero. And, you know, what? Like, it's a promise we make to your daughter, like, that she'll, or that we made to your mother, that, you know, she'll never know about, she'll never be there to accept. He's basically doing the exact same speech Cyborg did in the, in the dreamscape, and Cyborg is having some reactions to this, being like, wait a minute. Are they implying that his father, like, planted the memory of his dying mother in the building? I mean, I do think part of what they're getting towards is that his dad is grooming him in a lot of ways to be a superhero. Like, was there any accident at all, or did he just one day wake up and decide to start chopping up his son? I mean, we'll find out. I mean, the show is not shying away from, like, you know, going dark places. Yeah, and uh, he he concludes that he's going to stick around for a little while. He asks Rita for a guest room, and he's staying. So as the episode ends, we uh, cut around a little bit. We see... Uh, Rita and Cyborg uh, bonding together. Jane is painting pictures of uh, a more cyborg uh, cyborg just holding like the rest of the team up as after they're like done being killed. Dead so, in his arms, dead in his arms, perhaps. Yeah, like Hangman's daughter might be able to predict the future through her paintings. Um, but we also see like I did this slightly out of order. An extended sequence of negative man going into his bedroom and Man, this was like an episode highlight. He goes in, there's a whole airlock thing like separating him. And he goes, he he gets to the mirror, like kind of glares at it and says, I'm supposed to thank you for saving us. <laughs> like clearly doesn't like it. But he... He, he takes he off all his bandages. Like we see this scar tissue that's just raw and translucent. And like if... It really does look like he died back in the 50s, and he just, he hasn't healed. He hasn't changed. Like, nothing has, like, grown or reshaped over his face. This is just, like, the same raw, burned flesh from, like, 70 years ago. Yep, he's just been in stasis since then. And he goes, lays on his bed, and he has to psych himself up. Be like, you will wake up. You will wake up. 
before he, before he releases the energy being back into the world and lies there basically dead. And by basically dead, we we mean like dead, right? He does he does die when the Probably. thing is out of him, right? Probably, yeah. Like, oh God, that's that's so horrible. Like he has to psych himself to go to sleep every night, being like, "You're gonna wake up. You're gonna wake up." Uh, but the energy being it kind of floats around and it goes up to the mirror and sees the note that he wrote, which is which just says, "We need to make some ground rules." So it does seem like he is open to finally, finally starting to uh, not get control, but like strike up some arrangement, uh, strike up an understanding with the energy being that's living inside of him. It's a little bit like the thing with Jane, where I do think it's a little silly. He's never tried it in, what, the 50 years? But I, I can accept that. I mean, he certainly had a lot more impetus right now to deal with him. Like, maybe the being is just much more active than it usually is, because it's stopping him from going. It's opening the portal. There's... There's, there's lots of ways this plot could go, you know, and I'm very excited to continue with this. Yeah, this is a this is a very sharp, like a sharp sidetrack from some of our previous coverage. And I love it. I dig it. Like, this is very, very different. It's going to be a wonderful breath of fresh air. At least, God, we hope so. But speaking of fresh air, we're doing something different next week. And that thing is undecided yet. I don't know. Yay. <laughs> like. We're recording this a little bit in advance, so Harry has about a week or two to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe we'll continue with one of those Choose Your Own Adventure books. Like, I don't know, we'll figure out if we want to finish off uh, Zapped in Space or go on to a good one. That's something we'll, but that's something you'll find out shortly after we do. I mean, it'll probably be a long time after we do because, boy, I'm taking my time with editing these. But, well, you'll find out. (laughs) Eventually, you'll find out. But you don't need to find out. But we're going to keep doing it to the lid. We are going to keep dancing. We are going to keep dancing, stay insane, stay safe, and just stay moving. <laughs>